I am starting to lobby for a part two where she actually eats the stuff. I think that'd be, I think that'd be great. So Julia, just, just get ready for that. How you doing? Man, you look good. I got it out of here. So this good. Everybody's doing well. Well, hey, unless you've been like living under a rock for the last 10 years, um, you may have noticed that our culture has a fascination with heroes, with superheroes. I mean, over the last 10 years, just in the U.S. and just in theaters, over six and a half billion dollars has been spent by people going to watch movies about Marvel comic book characters. Now, all the fanboys are going, yeah, but there's so much more than Marvel. So there is more. And I'll just tell you about it. Over 5.2 billion additional dollars has been spent on stories involving DC comic book characters like Superman and, and Batman. When it comes to the world of heroes, the boy wizard hero, Harry Potter, made $7.7 billion. He beat them all, all by himself at the theaters. Took seven, eight movies to do it. Just in the U.S. And it's the largest selling book series of all time. And when you consider a host of animated heroes and, and tons of others I thought of this week because I have two elementary age boys and because I am just such a nerd, there can be no doubt that there is something deep inside of us that these stories touch on. I mean, even in nonfiction, we read stories of military heroes, of, of pioneering heroes, of, of heroines who stand for their families when no one else will. And as I think about it, I believe that there is one common redeeming trait from wizards to mutants that is at the core of all of their hero-like qualities. Now, we're in a series called All In, and the idea of being all in is to make a choice to become a more fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. It's to follow him in, in every area of your life. It's allow every area of your life to be sharpened and refined by him in an ongoing way. And at Westridge, we refer to the Christian walk as the abundant life journey. And for hundreds of years, the Christian life has been spoken of as a journey. And Christians themselves are described as sojourners or, or travelers or pilgrims. And we've said that if you want to make progress on this journey, there are four behaviors for us to engage in. You don't master step one and then go to step two, but rather all of these are continually happening in the life of a disciple and all are areas of continual growth. And we have said that they are to love, to grow, to serve, and to share. And today we are focusing on what it means to serve. And here's what I believe. The core character trait that attracts us to the heroes of fiction and nonfiction is that time and time again, despite their flaws, despite overwhelming circumstances, they use their talents and abilities at just the right moment in the service of others. They put the needs of others in front of the needs of themselves. They, they serve when great circumstances call for it. They serve when no one else will. They serve oftentimes when no one else can because no one else has the specific heart and abilities and personality and passions and experiences that our hero has to do what's needed. See, here's what I believe. A hero is a servant. And a servant is a hero. A hero is a servant, and a servant is a hero. So what do we believe about serving? Well, we begin with the idea that God himself is a servant. 
Jesus came to earth as a servant. As the Son of God, Jesus could have taken an entirely different approach to save the world. He, he could have come as a conqueror, but instead he came as a servant. Mark chapter 10, verse 43 says, But whoever would be great among you must first be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be the slave of all. For even the Son of Man, that is Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to do what what no one else could. Only the blood of of a perfect Savior could cover the the cost and the penalty of sin. He came and he lived a, a holy life and there was so much at stake. The very destiny of all mankind was in the balance. But Jesus paid a price that no one else could so that he might be the hero, the Savior of the world. He was the only one who could do it. He was the only one that could conquer sin and and hell and death and the grave. And he did all of those things to be the hero that we all needed right on time. And because Jesus was a servant, every follower of Jesus is commanded and equipped to serve. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now, varied grace is kind of an interesting term. We know a lot of things about saving grace and common grace, and you don't hear anybody throw out a whole lot of varied grace every once in a while. What exactly does this mean? Well, when it comes to serving, the idea in Scripture is that from the moment you put your faith and trust in Christ, the Holy Spirit of God come and He resides within you. And within you, then, He gives you certain abilities, talents, propensities, things that that you are good at, things that you are wired to do that no one else is wired to do. In fact, we believe that every single one of us is good at something. We say, well, that's nice. I mean, every single one of us is mediocre in some area. That's phenomenal. That's great. Thanks for that encouragement today. It's great to be at church. But actually, what we believe when it comes to serving, we would take a step further. We would say this, that every single one of you is a 10 in some area. I mean, if you need to look at the person next to you and say, I'm a perfect 10. I mean, that's, now's your time. Every single one of you is a 10 in some area. And the Bible speaks in terms of these spiritual gifts that we can use to serve the body of Christ in the local church and in the community around us. I mean, you can go back with your small group, with your journey group, and maybe look at these later. But 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, and, and Romans 12 mention some of these gifts. It mentions things like the gift of administration, the gift of wisdom and discernment. And if you feel like you have the gift of wisdom, you just say to people, listen, just trust me, I have the gift of wisdom. Let me just speak to you right now. That's kind of how that goes. Some of you might have the gift of encouragement or exhortation. For you, it's, you're a natural encourager. You just when, when someone, you see someone doing something well, you just can't help yourself. And even if you see them doing something not so well, you, you find the positives in it and you try to get them to keep doing the good things and, and not the things that they're not good at. You're naturally encouraging. For others, there's the gift of evangelism. And if you've grown up in church for a while, you, you're familiar with this term. But the, the idea of sharing Christ with others is something we're all responsible for. But some of you are, are better at it than others. I mean, being an evangelist is a very common thing in our culture. I mean, some of you are, are Starbucks evangelists or Dunkin' Donuts evangelists. You talk about them everywhere you go. Some of you are Apple evangelists and you've got your new phone to prove it. And so just it's in you and it just comes out of you. And for some people, when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's just natural natural for you to just walk around and you just you just share it because you can't help it there's an ability inside of you there's a propensity inside of you that even though we all have the responsibility of it some of you are just way bad, better at it than others in fact you're just a 10 in that area 
Romans 12 talks about the gift of leadership. There's also the gift of mercy. This is another one that we all have some responsibility for, okay? Um, whether or not you have the spiritual gift, all right? So you just can't smack people around all the time. That's in, and you can't just hug them all the time either. But that's the gift of mercy. Some of you are shepherds. Some of you are teachers. Some of you have the gift of hospitality. And if you're married, your spouse, your spouse, hopefully kind of balances you out just a little bit, okay? My wife has the gift of hospitality. She likes making the house nice. She likes inviting people over. She enjoys, you know, the presentation of the meal and, and the home and all this kind of thing. And you come and hang out with her and she'll talk to you. And I'm, I'm glad you're there, but, you know, it, it kind of wanes for me after a certain point. I'm not going to give you a time limit, but I am checking my watch. When are you leaving? You've been here long enough. I mean, let's go. Let's move this thing on along. But we balance each other out. And then in Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul approaches some other gifts, and he speaks specifically to some that are leaders in the church, and he says this, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of of Christ. Now, there are a couple of really important truths in this passage. First is the job description of a leader in the church, and maybe a, a pastor in the church, but beyond that, even our, even our volunteer leaders, the people around here that we might call head coach or, or, or coach or small group leader, listen, it is the job of the leaders in the church to equip the rest of the church to do the work of the ministry, to be able to own it. Now, listen, I grew up in churches where this was not the case. And maybe you, if you have a church background, you know this as well. In the church growing up, the senior pastor, he was the guy. And not only did he teach the pastor's Sunday school class and did he teach a, a time or two on Sunday morning, he taught on Wednesday night. And, and what you didn't know about him, or maybe you did know about him, is that he was also the person that waited for everyone else to leave so that he could turn off the lights, so that he could be the one to, to clean the bathrooms and to vacuum the floors and to do all the things. I mean, Pastors for a while, and especially in our country, we've overlooked the fact that God has given spiritual gifts to the whole body, and we expected this one person to be Superman, and it's just not possible. But rather, the pastor's job is to equip the saints, the leader's job is to equip the saints, Paul would say, to be able to do the work of the ministry. You say, how do I know whether or not you guys are doing a good job. How do I know whether or not the leaders in the church are, are doing a good job? Well, let me give you one measuring stick. That's something we work on around here all the time. If you have come to Westridge and can't figure out how to get plugged in, can't figure out where to connect, then we are not doing our jobs as well as we should as pastors. If you are connected in a ministry and you show up and are, are given the opportunity to understand the vision and the purpose and the role that you're to play, then the leaders are doing exactly what God has called them to do. They are equipping you as our volunteers, as the body of Christ, as the family on mission here at Westridge to accomplish the ministry. And listen, the larger we get as a church, the harder this is, but the more necessary it is. That is why we are constantly working to make the path to volunteering clearer. We're not perfect, but we're constantly working this. And so recently, Steve, who was up here just a moment ago, our pastor of Connections, developed this Get Connected card. We've had a card that's worded a similar way in our ministry guide for, for years and years. It was worded the same way, but just recently, we decided to change it. 
We changed it so that we might invite you to not just come and sit and take in week after week, but rather to make it easier for you to get connected. And so every week we can say to you, you know what, if, to, if this is the week, if this is the time where you feel like you want to come out from among the crowd and you want to engage and you want to get connected in the local church, at any, at any given point you can fill out one of these cards and let us know what area you want to get involved in. And we've got a lot of things going on in the church, and so it's impossible to put everything on here, but we've placed some, some broad headings on this card so that you can ask us how to get involved in any area. And when you do that, we'll, we'll tell you this, we'll remind you, you'll get a, you'll get a personal phone call, an email, and, and we'll be asked, where, you want to, where do you want to serve? And it might go like this, do you know what your spiritual gifts are? And you say, you know, absolutely not, I didn't even know I had any. I mean, I, there's a few things I think I'm good at. I don't know what my spiritual gifts are. We can help you figure that out. There's some very simple tools that, that we can do. And you can, maybe you can try something for a couple of weeks. You know, we're not just going to automatically assign you to sixth grade middle school boys. I mean, if you have the spiritual gift of sixth grade middle school boys, we love you and we need you. And so please come out. I mean, Wednesday nights, it's just, it's bouncing around here with all the students and, and the opportunities we have to impact their lives. But we're not just going to assign you something. We're going to try, try to match your spiritual gift with the, with the area that you can take the mission and the vision of this church further because you are involved in it. And we do need you there. We're not going to make you do something that you're not any good at. In fact, because we care about you and those coming in the doors of the church, if you're not good at something, we're going to lovingly tell you. I mean, seriously, if you don't have the gift of hospitality and you sign up to work at the door, it's going to take us about a week and we're going to go, you know what, there's a back room for you. We'd love for you to be. Please don't. You're not very nice to people. You're not supposed to punch them when they walk in the door. They tend not to come back. So please, it's important. It's important that everyone is in their gift mix. We have teachers who teach in our, in our children's area. Just the teachers teach, not the people that don't have any business teaching or who are scared to death. And then we have the opportunity for you as, a, as an adult, maybe you want to be a small group leader. And so after someone has taught the lesson, you take the opportunity to, to listen to the kids and to ask them questions about, about what they have just heard. And when you, you talk to them and you, you go over the lesson with them, and, and maybe you've heard it for the very first time. I mean, children's ministry is a great place to, to learn the Bible yourself. And you, you talk with these kids and you watch the lights come on in their eyes. You watch as, as God speaks and, and they get a truth that they've never understood for, ever before. And, and you got to be the one to, to share it with them. And something amazing happens inside of you in that moment. You know, we have this mentality so often that there are things in the church that we have to do. But we have to challenge ourselves to move from a have-to mentality to there are things in this church that we get to do. And then after choosing to get to do them for a, for a while, can I tell you what happens? Then you have to do it. I mean, when you sit down with a group of 10-year-old boys and you're telling them about Christ and, and one of them looks up and says, you know what, I think, it's, I, I think I'm supposed to do that today. I'm supposed to do what? I'm supposed to put my... I'm supposed to pray. I'm supposed to, however they're going to say it, I'm supposed to trust Jesus. Now? Right now? With me as your small group leader, this is happening right now. I mean, I was just doing this job because I had to, because the small groups were not small groups. They were small churches. And so they said they needed more volunteers. And so I came in, I had to do this. And, and then I got to do it. I got to meet these kids and I've connected with some of their parents. And he just put his faith and trust in Christ and now I don't, it's not that I get to do this anymore. I have to do this. I have to see that happen again. 
Maybe you're standing at the door, maybe you're greeting people. You know, most people decide whether or not they're going to come back to a church in the first two minutes. I mean, before Stevie even starts to sing, before Brian typically brings the word and starts to preach, before any of that, they've already made up their minds. And so we have to have really happy people at the doors. We have to have people at the doors who are happy to welcome people and who maybe are discerning about the type of day that people are having when they walk in. And our hospitality folks, they can tell you, our host team, they can say, you know, there are people who've walked in and they're just daring you to show the love of Jesus to them. Maybe one of you walked in today. We can see it on your face. Don't you play church with me. I'm just here because she made me come. And right now, I mean, I just, listen, if I can just check this off the list and get it over with and get home, I'm glad the Falcons are at four today. We've got a little extra time. Let's just, let's just move on, all right? And you can see them. You can see what's happening in their eyes and and you greet them and you're nice to them, even though they're really bristly and, and like they just, you know, they're not nice to you back, but you greet them, welcome to Westridge Church. And then they come back because she made him again or he made her or however that works. And, but you notice he, he's a little softer, a little bit like, it's not like this stern face. I mean, he had his coffee first this time, you know, it's like he's awake and he's coming and you watch it time over time, and we've had stories even recently of that hospitality person who is part of the story to where they, they welcome someone in, and over time they begin to hear the worship, and they begin to hear the messages, and then one day they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and we celebrate it up here in this baptistry, and you, as a hospitality, a host team member, you're back there going, yes, I remember when there was no way he was going to do that, but you're part of the story and so what was a job that someone said at one point they're starting a third service we have to have people work at the doors we have to have you do that and you came and you said you know what I'm going to choose to have this attitude that I get to do this not just because I have to and you see them up in the baptistry you see the life change and then you say I'm not just getting to do this anymore I have to do this I have to be a part of what's happening in the lives of people I have to be a part of life change I have to be a part of the story of God here at this church Another significant truth in these verses in Ephesians is that serving is part of your spiritual growth. The Apostle Paul describes it as a work of, of spiritual maturity. Listen, we don't ask you to be on a, on a ministry team because God so desperately needs you. He doesn't need us at all. He's God. But we get to serve in the local church. And as we get to serve in that place, the Bible says, Ephesians 4, the Apostle Paul just said, listen, as we get to serve, as we continue, something happens in us. We begin to grow. We begin to transform. It's part of our growth. If we come every week and we just listen to the messages, if we just sing along, if we just attend and check it off the list, there's still something missing. And you know it, don't you? But when we actually begin to get engaged, when we actually begin to take ownership, God does a work in us that can only happen when we serve. Apostle Paul ties serving to our spiritual maturity. And if you're not serving, you're missing out on this key component of growth. One of our high school volunteers, over the summer, we collected some serving stories. And one of our high school volunteers shared this. this these are her words, not mine. She says, serving is a vitally important aspect to me with my faith. Serving this year in, in high school has made me in awe of how God can and does use us. Even when we feel unworthy or ineffective, maybe those are some roadblocks for you today. You say, I just don't feel like I have what it takes. She says, watching these young ladies in my group go after God and, and grow this passion for him in their lives has renewed and reignited that same youth-like passion for God in my own life as well as in my marriage realizing that God can use my experiences, whether good or bad, to connect with and change someone else's life is a great and powerful 
and humbling feeling, she says. I find that the more I pour out as I serve, the more God and the ones I am serving are pouring back into my own life. And then I love this next section, what she says. She says, you know, Westridge is a big church. It's easy at times to feel disconnected or even lonely. But serving in high school has given me my own church family. It's given me a smaller group of individuals within the church to connect with. I'm really a part of a team. I have people that are for me and we're working towards the same goals. Listen, every week gives you the opportunity to change the, the spiritual trajectory of a child, a student, to enrich a marriage or to bring healing to someone who is hurting. Welcome those who have been running away from God for years. We don't serve because we have to. We serve because we get to. And then after we see God work and we get to be a part of it, we absolutely have to. You might be the first impression that someone needs to come back to the Savior. Listen, it's in serving that we realize that every time we show up, anything and everything is possible when God's in the middle of it. You're not just volunteering for a task. You're serving. You're a hero because a hero is a servant and a servant is a hero. Not only do we get the opportunity to serve the the local church, but also serve those far from God. Galatians 5 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love has a huge part in in serving. And we have a very simple way of talking about loving and serving those far from Christ at Westridge. We say we we want to bless someone else. Everyone can bless someone else. Now, it's not just a good kind of southern greeting like bless your heart, how you doing? But rather, we've taken the word bless and we've turned it into an acronym and a challenge. And to bless someone is very simple. We say that the B is to begin with prayer. Whoever God lays on your heart, a a neighbor, a co-worker, a student, or a family member. And the L stands for listen. Not just passively listen, but lean in and, and actively listen and seek to understand their circumstances and their context. Then you get to eat with them. Praise Jesus for the E. I love the E. We get the opportunity to eat with them. I mean, think about it. You wouldn't invite someone over to your house or you wouldn't go out to dinner with someone that you didn't, that you didn't want to grow in relationship with. And so then we have the next S, which is what we're talking about today. Look for opportunities to serve them. Even a simple act of service can open up someone's heart to that last step, that all-important second S, where we can share the story of God. Share the story of God and, and, and that the God of the universe loves them and that he sent his son to come as a servant to give his life for them. Part of blessing others is being a servant. And when you're being a servant, you are being a hero because a hero is a servant. Now, I want to encourage you with one other area where you should be serving. It's one you may not expect me to mention, but... For me, this is the most important area. And I want to show you on the screen, this is the most powerful superhero on earth. It's my wife. And she's my hero. Listen, she's, she's not just a hero because she makes chicken and dumplings that put Cracker Barrel to shame. She's not just a hero because she's a great mom and decorator, although she is. She's not just a hero because she walks around with health challenges that she daily overcomes that no one else knows about. Let me tell you why she's a hero. She's a hero because she knows me so well 
and she still serves me. She has seen me lose my temper and raise my voice. She has seen moments of depression. She has seen me stumble and sin. She has seen the ugly cry. It's, ba- it's, u- it's awful. <laughs> and I also have an ugly laugh. It's really bad. Like it, you know, at first it's joyful and then people look at you and go, what is wrong with him? I mean, it's like, you just, you just went from happy to gross all at the same time. And so, but she sees all that and she still serves me. She knows how big a baby I can get when I get sick. I can get to be when I get sick. And for me, my wife is the absolute embodiment of a servant. A servant is a hero. A hero is a servant. And so let me ask you one very intentionally loaded question. Would your spouse describe you as a hero? If you're here and you're single today, I don't want you to check out. I want you to lean in because this is the kind of person you're looking for. In fact, in a dating relationship, if they're not serving you, then you need to move on. But would your spouse describe you as a hero? Colossians 3 verse 18 says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. So right at the beginning, let me just say, husband, you're in charge. Congratulations on that, by the way. You get to answer to God one day for how you led your family. And I'm coming back to you in a minute. But first, let me talk to the women. Ladies, would your husband, and if you have kids, your children, describe you as a hero? This is not a challenge about your appearance or how you would rate yourself as a wife, a mom, a homemaker, or a businesswoman, or what have you. I'm not going to tell you that there should be a, a hot meal on the table and a cold beverage in his hand and a foot rub in the offing every, every night when he comes home. The Bible doesn't command you to do that. I'm simply asking the question. Ladies, do you exist to glorify God by working to serve your husband in your home, or does your home revolve around your happiness? The female who carries herself so that she can spend money any way she wants, only care for her home when it's convenient, and focuses a majority of the time on her own needs is not a hero. You just turned into Cruella DeVille, and he didn't sign up for that. Titus 2 tells us that wives are to be kind. Just be nice. Don't aggravate your husband and your kids. Titus 2 tells us for the ladies to be pure. Don't look or listen to things when you're away from your husband and kids that would distort your image of them or unfairly compare them to someone else. Be self-controlled, Titus says. Structure your, your days so that they matter, so that they are productive, so that the way you spend your time, your, your money, and your energy carries the purposes of God for your family forward, just like your husband is supposed to be doing. And ladies, this is not a challenge to be a martyr. If you don't take the time to care for yourself, eventually you'll not be able to care for or serve anyone. Every day, you are given the opportunity to love your husband and your children the way that you would love Jesus. And I know that there's women in this room today. You would say, I'm not perfect, but I'm doing the very best I can in this area. I'm, I'm serving with everything I've got, and I don't understand why my marriage is still not at the place that it should be. Well, let's talk about the guys for just a second. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Guys, as a man, you carry the burden of leadership for your family, according to Scripture. 
And there are several passages in Scripture that describe the the attitudes and actions of a man towards his wife. Let me just underscore all of those with the statement that the Apostle Paul just made. Men, you are supposed to love your wife the way that Jesus loved the church. Jesus was willing and did give his life for his people. He suffered for his people. He sacrificed for his people. He served his people. Guys, would she describe you as a hero? As a husband and perhaps a father, I want you to know, guys, it's, it's impossible for the story of your family to be written apart from you. You are not a sidekick. You are not an extra. You play a feature role. In fact, I believe you will either be the hero of your family's story or you will be the villain or you will be the goat, the reason the whole thing falls apart. But men, every day you have an opportunity to be a hero. So I ask the question, are you the hero of your family? Guys, are you being Jesus to your family? You know, in all the hero stories, being a hero takes a supernatural act, doesn't it? I mean, there has to be a spider bite first. There has to be a, a cataclysmic circumstance of some kind in order for the hero to receive their abilities. I was talking to a man after the first service and he said, I don't know where to start. And I said, let today be the spider bite. Let today be the day that it begins. Let today be the day that you determine that, that this is inside of you, that you're going to be the hero that your wife and that your kids deserve. And, and listen, after they get bit by the spider, after the circumstance, there's still a degree of learning how to use their abilities. But they train to get it right because the fate of the planet is at stake. And more importantly than that, the fate of those closest to them are wrapped up in the whole thing. But motivated by love, our heroes work to become the heroes that they are supposed to be. And ultimately, when a wife is fully devoted to her husband, when a husband is fully devoted to a wife, when kids are fully devoted to parents, we are fully devoted to Jesus. Listen, you might feel inadequate. You might say today, I don't have what it takes. You might feel guilty because of past sins and mistakes. You might have to, you might have an attitude of an entitlement that you have to wake up every day and put to death. You might have to wake up every day and confess that the world doesn't revolve around you. But everyone makes mistakes. Everyone has flaws. Everyone has adversity. No one is perfect. In fact, those are the things that makes the story so good. We don't give up on our heroes as long as they don't stop trying, as long as they don't stop striving to bounce back. Listen, you don't have to be the hero in your home. You get to be the hero in your home. And after you choose to get to for a little while, and you watch the love that you're giving to your to your wife or your husband. You watch the way that you've served them, sets them up for success. You watch them bloom and grow and blossom and become the person that God wants them to be more than you could ever have imagined they would become. You watch all of these things happen while you are choosing to get to be the hero in your home. And then all of a sudden you go, oh, I have to do this. You watch your kids excel and grow as you engage them, as you love them the way that, the way that God wants you to love them. And you, you have these days where it's hard to be a parent and you don't know what to do. And you're like, but I, I have to do this because God's told me I have to do this. And then, and then I get home some days and I, and I decide to choose to get to be a dad, to choose to get to be a mom. And you watch what happens in their lives. You watch them grow and succeed. And you say, I don't get to do this anymore. I, I have to do this. I have to do this. You know, you don't have to give to the church. You don't have to give. 
You get to give. And after a while of choosing to get to give, of, of choosing to make God a priority in your finances, of choosing to give him first place, of, of choosing to set something intentional aside and, and not just tipping Jesus on a Sunday morning, but actually making him a, a priority in your finances, you move from getting to give to absolutely having to give. Because I see things work out that should not have ordinarily worked out. I mean, there wasn't supposed to be enough money at the end of the day, but and putting God first, somehow, some way, it's working. And I don't just get to do this anymore. I absolutely have to do this. You don't have to pray. Don't waste your time with little statements that you just throw out and just don't even hardly mean or, or haven't thought of their meaning, but they're, they're repetitive things that you just, every once in a while, you just throw up there and, 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 and you're not really engaging him. You don't have to do that but you get to connect with Almighty God. You get to be in a relationship with Him. You get the God of the universe who cares about every detail of your life, who knows every hair on your head, even the ones that are missing. You get to talk to Him about every single circumstance in your life, and then you see Him answer prayer. And you begin to say, you know, I wrote this down. I've been praying for this. And, and God's answer that. And maybe you even see, dare I say, maybe you even see a miracle. Maybe you see things happen in prayer that only God could do. Circumstances that only God could, could bring about. And you say, you know what? I don't get to pray anymore. I absolutely have to. I have to. Because this God has done so much for me and I've experienced it. I've moved from have to to get to to now. I absolutely have to in every area of my life and whatever I do Colossians 3 says work heartily as for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the, in, the inheritance as your reward for you are serving the Lord Christ it is only reasonable that we serve one another because Jesus served us Philippians chapter 2 says have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, by being born in the likeness of men. And he would go on to say, by being obedient to death, even the death on a cross. And because he served, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to the glory of God the Father, to the greatest servant who ever walked the planet. That servant is a hero, and a hero is a servant. And the prophet Isaiah was talking about the coming Savior. In chapter 9, verse 6, and a, a verse that maybe you're more familiar with from Christmases in the past, the prophet says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. That Hebrew word that gets translated there, mighty God in, in Hebrew, it's Jehovah Gibor. You know what it means? God, our hero. That baby came to be a servant. That baby came to be a hero, the savior of the world. Because a servant is a hero, and a hero is a servant. Let's pray together. today if you're here and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and the one who left heaven to serve and redeem and pay for your sin debt 
I would just say today, I would challenge you in this moment, in your own words, to pray and say, God, I believe. I believe that this Jesus came to serve me, that he came and he died for my sins, that he came and that he's risen from the dead today. I put my faith and trust in him and I wanna choose to live for him and to serve him the rest of my life. Today, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, please let us know about that. You can take your Get Connected card to the Help Center immediately following the service. You can come down and speak to one of our Life Care volunteers immediately following the service. They would love to have the opportunity to minister to you. And if you're here today and you say, you know what, serving just hasn't been my thing. I'm not experiencing the growth and discipleship that I could because I'm not serving anywhere, whether it's in the church or outside the church, but God has been prompting me to serve somewhere. Today, I wanna challenge you to have the courage to do that. If you need to fill out this card today and take it to our help center or bring it up to us and say, you know what, I'm ready to get in the game. I'm ready to take ownership, then do that. But then there's that other area that's been so heavy on my heart over the last several weeks. And that's, how's your serve at home? Say if you're sitting there, specifically if you're married, you're sitting next to your spouse right now, and you know, you know what, I haven't been serving this person well, this person that God gave to me. I've not been treating this person like a treasured possession that God has given to me. I haven't been serving him, or haven't been serving her. I want today to be the day the spider bites. <laughs> I want today to be the day you choose to become a hero. So in just a moment, as music is played and as we pray together, I wanna challenge you. There may be husbands and wives who need to grab each other by the hand and say, I'm sorry, let's come down here and let's pray together today and let's have the courage to become each other's heroes and heroes for our kids. Let's give our kids the marriage that they deserve to be able to see. In order for this to happen, there has to be that moment. There has to be that cataclysmic circumstance. And for some of you, it is right now. Say, I'm gonna be the husband. I'm gonna be the wife that I've been called to be the best that I can do. I'm still gonna make mistakes. I'm still gonna fumble around every once in a while. I'm still gonna swing into a wall, but I'm gonna do the best that I can. God, today, Lord, I lift the families in this church. I lift my friends in this church. Lord, we are a family on mission. And I lift them all up to you today. And I pray that today you would give us the courage to shine our light. You would give us the courage to put the love of Jesus on display by how we serve one another. God, I pray that you would do a work in marriages today, that you would take them to a next level, that you would, you would take them to that next step on their journey. Let none of us ever be satisfied with where we are, but let us continue to move forward with you as our guide. So God, would you begin restoring homes? Would you begin reconciling homes? Would you just take homes further than they ever thought they would go? And we ask all of this and because of our risen Savior, Jesus. Amen. You can stand as Stevie sings. If you need to come pray, I want to challenge you to come. Let's go.